Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about this term that we probably all have heard in the allergy world, and it is the term hypoallergenic. It's a term that, like I said, we probably all have heard that something is hypoallergenic. You know, that something could be a pet breed, um, a makeup brand, skincare products, soaps, you know, laundry detergents, just so many things have this labeling, you know, at times of being hypoallergenic. So in this episode, I really just wanted to really just talk through and break down what the term hypoallergenic really means and discuss, you know, why this type of labeling of hypoallergenic can be just very misleading and what you can expect from products that are typically labeled as being hypoallergenic and like things like that. So hopefully you all enjoy this episode. What really made me want to talk about this is because you just see that labeling so much and you think that you're doing, you know, some sort of good and like kind of like allergy proofing your house in a way by like picking more and more products that had that labeling of hypoallergenic. But is that really helping your allergies? Well, that's basically what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode. But before I get into, you know, my what's been going on update, you guys know I got to go through my whole spiel of saying, make sure you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies. If you have not taken the time to go on Apple Podcasts to write a review and to give us a rating, hopefully that rating is five stars, then make sure you do that because it really does help us be able to reach more people and grow the podcast and grow this community we have over here on this corner of the interwebs. Keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. So with that being said, let's get right into what's been going on. So what's been going on with me? Well, this past week has been very heavy. Um, I've just been dealing with a serious family emergency. So that's been taking up a lot of my time, which is obviously to be expected. So that's why I personally have not been too active on the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram page like I normally am because I usually try to do like polls and interact with you guys and, you know, like like pictures and go through comments and things like that. And I just have not had the chance to do that this past week. Um, my family and I haven't really been getting really any sleep and my days have just been filled with, you know, lots of phone calls, check-in phone calls, tears, you know, both sad and happy tears and visiting the hospital and things like that. Um, 
I will say that it isn't COVID related since I feel like that's like the default nowadays. You hear someone is having like an emergency and most people are like, oh, it's probably COVID. So I just wanted to put that out there and say that that's not related to that. Um, But I don't really want to get into the nitty gritty details of it, you know, out of respect for my personal privacy as well as my family's privacy as well. But I will say this week has definitely been a roller coaster. Um, But on a lighter note, I have been watching Bachelor in Paradise, which is just honestly a hot mess. But as to be expected for it to be a hot mess. So I've been following this whole like Chris, Elena, Piper and Brendan drama. And it's been such a great distraction, just to be completely honest. If you don't watch Bachelor in Paradise, I'll give you like a little spiel to like explain exactly what's going on in uh, the Bachelor universe. So basically all the drama started when there was like this little party that was happening on the show and like only certain people on the show got invited to this party. And so what the people who got invited to the party didn't know was that like new arrivals and like potential new arrivals were at this said party. So there was like this one couple, a couple people that thought in paradise was like one of the strongest couples. And it was Chris and Jasenia. And the minute that they both got to the party and Chris saw Elena, he literally dropped Jasenia like a bad habit and pretty much was acting like his relationship with Jasenia was pretty much non-existent. And he was like kissing all over this new girl in front of everyone, including Jasenia. It was just was just a really bad look for this Chris guy and so I think either the next day or like some hours later I forget like the exact timeline but the Atlanta girl she got a date card and asked the Chris guy to go on the date and he literally said yes in a heartbeat and so people in paradise were just like trying to figure out like why he just dropped Jasenia out of the clear blue sky when he kept saying things like I was hoping you'd be here in paradise blah 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 but there was like a rumor that this Chris guy and the new girl were already together but like came on the show and knew that they would each be on the show to be able to gain like clout so like gain like Instagram followers to be like social media famous get all the Instagram deals and to get like a free vacation so everyone was really just going in on both of them and pretty much just bullied them out of paradise so they both ended up leaving and literally the Atlanta girl was like so mad like you could tell like her plan was falling apart to be on this show and it was like failing so miserably and so they were like giving this whole like we tricked the system vibes like when they went on their 101 date and it was just so weird like they had like this smirkness to them like it was just really odd and so all this is happening and everyone is like having like Jasenia's back but meanwhile this is also happening this pretty much the same scenario is happening to someone else who was coupled up with someone but the only difference is that the woman that this was happening to was a black woman and her name's Natasha and she was coupled up with Brendan but then Piper came to paradise and he literally dropped Natasha like a hot potato but like no one was literally saying anything about that so the whole like Chris, Jasenia, and Alana situation is going on and then Brendan and Piper are just like mum is the word they're not saying anything they're like distancing themselves it's like crazy and so enters the whole social media drama with Brendan and Piper because leading up to this particular episode they both posted pictures on Instagram that had captions that were just very insensitive to Natasha we're giving like we cheated the system because we had a relationship prior to the show but we wanted a free vacation and more Instagram followers vibe so they were like both losing followers like crazy like I think Brendan went from like having three 
300,000 followers to like 250 something, which is crazy. And like that happened like in the matter of days. And then Piper's followers went down too, but she didn't have nearly as many as Brendan did. So, I mean, she lost followers. She lost thousands of followers too, but like he lost like nearly like 50,000 followers. And so meanwhile, while all this is happening, Natasha had like, I think like 70 something followers going into Bachelor in Paradise starting. And now she's like, at over 400,000 in the matter of like days. So I'm probably missing some other details, but those are the main details that I remember. But I'm recording this episode on Sunday, so I haven't seen the new episode yet because Bachelor in Paradise comes on both Monday and Tuesday. But when this episode comes out that I'm recording, I would have already seen Monday's episode. So if you follow the whole Bachelor franchise, definitely send us over a DM on the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies, about like, what are your thoughts about this whole situation? Because it's just so juicy and it's so interesting for sure. But That's basically what's been going on with me lately, so I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. So my first foodie like comes from the brand Tama, I think. It's sparkling green tea again because that has literally been my obsession lately but this is just a different brand so I've really been liking this brand's uh, flavors uh, mango verde and peach pear it's an unsweetened sparkling green tea you guys know I'm a big tea drinker especially a big green tea drinker and what I really like about this particular sparkling tea is that it has the antioxidants of a green juice and it's just as refreshing as a sparkling water and then it has the caffeine content of you know like a soda but it doesn't have any sweeteners or the added calories or any calories for that matter and I think it has like 35 milligrams of caffeine so it's really great for a midday slump I know I get those sometimes and these teas honestly do the absolute trick so highly recommend them if you're into sparkling water you're into green tea and you kind of want both of those two things together highly highly recommend the other foodie like that I have it's from the brand I don't even know if I'm going to be pronouncing this correctly so please forgive me but I think it's La Colombi Colombe La Colombe it's their unsweetened cold brew dark roast extra bold this this coffee does not disappoint honestly I am a big dark roast person so if you are not into the whole dark roast extra bold type of flavor you might not like this but if you are into dark roast coffee like I am like you definitely need to try this it has like such a smooth like deep bold flavor to it it oh oh my gosh it just tastes so good it like literally wakes me up and this might be TMI but it gets my bowels moving to be honest it's honestly so great but it's between this and having chlorophyll they honestly get my bowels moving but I like to combine this with like a non-dairy milk or a non-dairy creamer like oat milk or oat milk creamer now if you're not into adding anything to your coffee like if you don't like adding like some sort of milk or adding some type of creamer which sometimes I'm in those moods as well if you like to drink your coffee black then you still will love this coffee this coffee is so good and it tastes like I just went to a coffee shop and wanted an extra bold cup of coffee but highly recommend if you're into cold brew drinking iced coffee that type of thing you will definitely love this one if you're into dark roast coffee but those are my foodie likes that I want to share with you all this week so with that being said I can get right into this week's allergy news
This week's allergy news comes from Southern Living, and the article is titled, How Cat Owners Can Prepare for a House Guest with Mild Cat Allergies. Now, I picked this article because I feel like it perfectly ties in with today's episode being all about the term hypoallergenic, and this article touches upon the whole hypoallergenic labeling when it comes to animals. So the article talks about how cat allergies are actually more common than dog allergies and that was said by Sarah Wooten who is a veterinarian. Dr. Wooten she talks about how when it comes to whether it's cats or dogs or just pets in general like there's not a such thing as hypoallergenic when you're talking about a cat or even a dog and even hairless dogs and hairless cats can trigger allergies even though there might be like marketing or something like that that's like oh like this cat is hypoallergenic in this article it also talks about why that is and that even though um, there's like this really big misconception when it comes to pets but I don't want to get into that too much because I'm going to talk about that further on into the actual episode topic and then I'll reference this article as well but anyway there are a few steps that this article lists that they say that you should use and keep in mind when you're preparing your home for a visit from someone who has allergies to cats. And I'm not gonna go through all the steps listed in the article because some of them are a little bit more straightforward, like investing it in an air purifier. But I just want to talk about and highlight the ones that maybe, you know, surprise me or the ones that I just found to just be really, really interesting. And so there was two that kind of just really intrigued me that I wanted to talk about. So one of the things that they mentioned in the article is to wipe your pet down with unscented baby wipes. And the doctor referenced in this article, her name is Dr. Sarah Wooten, she talks about how even though they may not especially enjoy it, that wiping your cat down with unscented baby wipes can really help with reducing the loose hair and dander, making it easier for your guests to be near your pet without having any sort of major um, allergy issues, which I thought was very interesting. I usually use unscented baby wipes for my dog because she gets sometimes things on her face. So I'll usually use that to wipe away any gunk and things like that that will appear on her face like because sometimes like she might have things on her nose and so I'll use that to get away from that and my dog absolutely loves it I feel like my dog is really one of those pets that's like really different but I didn't even really think about wiping down your dog or your cat with unscented baby wipes to help with reducing loose hair and dander that's actually a really good idea and it's something that I think I might try with my dog because it might be helpful because I'm like low-key well, not low-key, I'm like high-key allergic to my dog. Then another tip that they mentioned in this article was how to really be mindful uh, when you're choosing your cat's food and be kind of wise about when it comes to choosing what your cat's going to be eating. And the article talks about how if you're really looking to cut down on your cat's allergic inducing effects that they suggest being able to like find different sorts of cat food and cat food specifically that is marketed to be bind the cell D1 protein that's made in cat saliva that helps with reducing the impact of cat allergies in humans which I thought was very interesting and I didn't even know that they made cat food that's kind of marketed in that way but that definitely sounds like it could be helpful if you have cats but that is this week's allergy news article 
Um, I kind of just summarized it and talked about some points that I just found to be really, really interesting. Like always, we'll have the allergy news article linked in our show notes so you all can take a look at the article. Like I said, I didn't hit everything that's in the article, just the things that kind of appeared to me and like really just piqued my interest that I thought would be really interesting to talk about here on the podcast. But like always, the allergy news article will be linked in our show notes. But with that being said, I guess I can get right into the meat of the episode, which is what does the term hypoallergenic mean? So like I said, today's episode is all about the term hypoallergenic, and I wanted to talk about the meaning behind hypoallergenic because it's a term that is used like so much in the allergy world. And whether you have allergies or you shop for someone who has allergies, you most likely have come across products that are marked as being hypoallergenic to avoid anything that could possibly trigger an allergic reaction. You know, I've seen hypoallergenic on skincare products. I've seen it on a laundry detergent. I've seen it on other laundry products. I've seen it when it comes to bed spreads and comforters and mattress protectors and just so many things and even have heard the term when discussing what pet would be best suited for you and your family. Like I've seen tons of articles saying like here's a list of hypoallergenic dogs or here's a list of hypoallergenic cats you know blah 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 and I actually came across this little quiz online that serves as a test to really see if you really know what that term hypoallergenic actually means. We'll also put these questions on our Instagram stories too just to see you all's is like real-time reaction to these questions but I'll read through them and then kind of give you all my real-time answers. So this quiz like I said is all about how well do you know the term hypoallergenic. So the first question, well it's really like a true or false statement, is poodles and Bichon Freeze are hypoallergenic breeds of dogs, true or false? My answer just seeing this right off the bat would be false. The second question statement true or false statement is there are two hypoallergenic brands of peanut butter on the market true or false I've not heard of hypoallergenic when it comes to food so I'm probably just gonna say false because when I think of hypoallergenic I don't really think of that being a label on foods maybe you all have seen hypoallergenic labeled on foods but personally I don't think I have yeah, I don't think that I have. So I just think that that true or false statement is just really weird. Um, The third one, hypoallergenic vacuum cleaners remove more dust particles than any other types of vacuum cleaners. Um, hmm. I feel like this is one of those trickier true or false statements because I feel like the other ones, the first two that I just went through were a little bit more straightforward. I was like, oh, okay, like no brainer. But I feel like for vacuum cleaners, that's more of a tricky one, especially because I've gone vacuum cleaner shopping for myself when I was living, you know, in college. And then I've also, you know, purchased a vacuum cleaner as a gift to give to someone. So I've seen the term hypoallergenic when going vacuum cleaner shopping, hmm, because especially because when it comes to like picking up like pet hair, pet dander, even though I know hair is not the reason why pets can stir up some type of an allergic reaction for yourself. I'm going to say I think that it's false. And the reason why I think that it is false is because 
I think when it comes to vacuum cleaners, the vacuum cleaner, like the materials of the vacuum cleaner itself, I don't think that those can be hypoallergenic. I think it comes down to the filters that are used in the vacuum cleaner itself that can help with being able to remove allergens and stuff like that and filter them out to say. So hypoallergenic, I think that's such a weird label for vacuum cleaners and it's something that's really odd in my opinion when it comes to actually saying the vacuum cleaner itself is hypoallergenic, but I can see maybe there's things that are inside the vacuum vacuum cleaner in terms of like filters and stuff like that that can help with allergies and different allergens that can be picked up by a vacuum cleaner if that makes sense so all in all to say I know I've been going on a long tangent this is me trying to kind of put the pieces together and kind of figure out what I think it is I'm gonna say false so that's my answer to that statement. I think it's false, personally speaking. Um, and then uh, the last true or false statement, it says hypoallergenic laundry detergents remove all allergens while you wash your clothes. True or false? I've seen hypoallergenic on laundry detergent, actually. It's one of the ones that are usually like marketed as being like clean and like being super like eco-friendly and stuff like that and it's supposed to be more suited for people who have like sensitive skin i'm gonna say hmm i'm gonna say false yeah i'm gonna say false on that one so let's see how i did it says if you answer true to one or more questions you don't understand the term hypoallergenic and it can easily be misled by marketing claims. So I feel like I kind of passed this test. I feel like I have. Like I said I'm gonna put these questions like we're gonna put these questions on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page because I think it would be so interesting hearing what you all think if it's like true or false in your mind just based off the things that you know about allergies or your children's allergies or your allergies things like that just I just find this so interesting but yeah hypoallergenic is just one of those terms that can just be so misleading and so let me just break down the term hypoallergenic so hypoallergenic it means a product that contains few allergens and that the ingredients and the materials that are used for this product do not cause an allergic reaction in the subjects which they were tested on. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the product itself is allergy proof. And so the problem with the term hypoallergenic is that there's not a agreed upon scientific or legal definition of the term hypoallergenic. So seeing hypoallergenic printed on a label doesn't necessarily really protect you from potential allergy triggers. And matter of fact, you know, cosmetic brands, toy brands, clothing companies, and even pet companies can label their products as hypoallergenic without really just being required to meet any sort of government prescribed standard. And that's the reason why the term hypoallergenic is just really problematic in my opinion. And seeing hypoallergenic on a product doesn't mean that the product is not gonna produce some sort of an allergic reaction in some people. So I actually went onto the FDA website. If you're not familiar with the FDA, that basically is an acronym for Food and Drug Administration. And they actually have a statement on their website. And this is a statement from their website and I quoted it. So I'm just saying it word for word. It says, there are no federal 
federal statements or definitions that govern the use of the term hypoallergenic. The term means whatever a particular company wants it to mean. So basically from reading that statement, I am interpreting it that the company doesn't have to do any tests to prove that that product won't cause some sort of a reaction. And I'll have this particular area of the FDA website linked in our show notes, but also on this particular um, article from the FDA, it says in quotes, manufacturers of cosmetics labeled as hypoallergenic are not required to submit substantiation of their hypoallergenicity claims to FDA. The term hypoallergenic may have considerable market value in promoting cosmetic products to consumers on a retail basis, but dermatologists say it has very little meaning, which is just crazy that It really just comes down to what the company wants hypoallergenic to mean. So just because you see hypoallergenic on one company's products does not mean that that's going to be the same version of hypoallergenic for another company. So there's not, like I said, some sort of standard for the term hypoallergenic, which is just very, very confusing. So I'm going to break everything down just a little bit more. So when it comes to food and testing, if something is hypoallergenic, you have to test the elements against the subject. And all elements are hypoallergenic if you're not allergic to them and the proteins that are in that element. So a good example is milk. So if you are not allergic to milk, like regular milk, all brands of milk are hypoallergenic because you're not allergic to it. Nothing, none of the proteins in that product are going to trigger a reaction for you. But if you are allergic to the proteins in milk, then there's not a brand of milk that is hypoallergenic. So when it comes to, you know, cleaning products like laundry detergents, dryer sheets, things like that, seeing that labeling of hypoallergenic for those products does not mean that it's going to be able to magically remove allergens. So it pretty much means that the common ingredients that cause allergic reactions, so fragrances and dyes, which is something that I've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast before, have been removed. However, majority of allergic reactions to detergent come from the enzymes that are used to break down soil. So if the detergent has, you know, no dyes or fragrances and still has enzymes, it can still trigger an allergic reaction. And it's not hypoallergenic to those who are sensitive to those enzymes and will not remove allergens from your laundry. Now, one thing that I have seen as being hypoallergenic, and it's something that was in the quiz that I kind of took with you guys earlier, just a little while ago, actually. And it's about seeing a vacuum cleaner labeled as being hypoallergenic, which like I said, I think it's really weird and it's really strange because now that I'm thinking about it and just kind of reflecting on what I said in terms of my process of elimination for whether a vacuum cleaner really being labeled as hypoallergenic is really going to help you if you have like seasonal allergies or environmental allergies. I can't really like picture how a vacuum cleaner itself, like the vacuum cleaner itself can cause some sort of an allergic reaction. And I'm not talking about the stuff that you vacuum that's in, you know, the sealed canister part of the vacuum. You know, like I said a little earlier that I can see how that can cause an allergic reaction because those are allergens that might be, you know, trapped into your carpet. Those are allergens that might be on your 
kitchen floor, on your wood floors, on whatever types of floors that you have. So I can see those as being, you know, allergens, but the actual vacuum cleaner itself, I kind of find that hard to believe that that can be an allergen unless you're allergic to the actual plastics and metals used to make vacuum cleaners. But other than that, if you're not allergic to the plastics and metals that are used to make vacuum cleaners, then all machines are hypoallergenic. But again, using those hypoallergenic tricks you into thinking that the vacuum cleaner does more than it really can in terms of the abilities of the vacuum cleaner. However, that doesn't mean that they do a good job of removing the fine particles, those types of vacuum cleaners that are labeled as being hypoallergenic. So the best allergy vacuums usually are ones that are sealed canister units that use self-sealing bags and use those HEPA filters that I referenced a little while ago. I purchased actually a Bissell vacuum cleaner for my mother since we have a dog and I've heard that those vacuum cleaners do a really great job at picking up dog hair and dander because of them using HEPA filters. So when I was vacuumed, shopping for her I considered getting a vacuum with HEPA filters and things along those lines because of her having environmental and seasonal allergies but speaking of pets like I referenced a little while ago you tend to hear the term hypoallergenic a ton when it comes to pets like I've heard like oh like poodles are hypoallergenic dogs and they're perfect if you have allergies But if someone tells you that a dog is hypoallergenic or that even a cat is hypoallergenic, they are not telling you the truth. You know, I'm not calling them a liar, but I'm not calling them a truther either. And if you watch Drake and Josh, you know, if you know, you know. But when it comes to pets, if the animal pees and has saliva, that animal produces the allergy causing protein. And I think that this whole idea of a dog being hypoallergenic is an example that is based on this common misconception that dogs that don't shed or shed as much don't create allergens or even you know when it comes to cats you know earlier on in the episode in the allergy news segment I talked about how you know there's this conception that cats can be hypoallergenic even hairless cats you know they can cause and trigger allergies you know whether the cat has hair or it doesn't and that has to do with humans being not allergic to the cat hair but rather a protein that's found in cat saliva so in the allergy news article that I referenced earlier further in the article they talk about how there's a protein that's found in cat saliva and that's called fel d1 and cats can easily spread their saliva you know on fur and skin and so that is why allergies can quickly flare up when it comes to being around cats, being a cat owner and you're allergic to cats, that type of thing. So it's not really the hair, but it's really the saliva. So when it comes to dogs, it's both the saliva and the urine itself. So it's really interesting because like I said, you tend to hear like, oh, like if you're allergic to dogs, then it's the pet hair when that's like a really, really big common misconception. Like I said, the protein that actually causes an allergic reaction to dogs, it comes from their saliva and their urine, and then that protein gets spread to the skin and to the fur of the dog. So that's why if you might pet a dog, 
you know, you might start sneezing or have different symptoms that link to you being allergic to dogs, but you may think that it's the pet hair, but it's not. Same thing with cats. You might think that it's the cat hair on a cat or whatever, but that's not necessarily the case. But an animal that does shed less, they do spread less allergens, but at the end of the day, that animal still produces the allergy causing protein. But, you know, when it comes down to it, people, they all have varying degrees of sensitivities when it comes to allergens. And so some people, they might be not affected at all by a particular ingredient. And then other people, they might feel, you know, slightly itchy or uncomfortable. And then some people might have a full on allergic reaction. So it's really important to really read labels and know how to read labels when it comes to products you purchase. So whether that's food, laundry detergent, skincare, dryer sheets, whatever, you need to really know what the ingredients are and know what's on the label on those products that you're buying. So whether it's a bottle of shampoo or whether it's deodorant or if it's a bottle of some type of multi-purpose spray cleaner, you need to read the label. And that's something that I talk about in so many episodes, the importance of reading labels and knowing how to read labels. So even if the label says hypoallergenic on the front, you need to read the label on the back of the product for enzymes, for fragrances, for masking fragrances, for dyes, for formaldehyde or formaldehyde releasers. So you just need to really be in the know of all those things. So a good example is if a certain, let's say, hmm, like a certain dryer sheet brand, a scent, or even a personal care product causes you to have like some sort of an allergic reaction, you should know the root of the allergic reaction. Like what exactly is causing the reaction? You know, when it comes to cleaning products, it usually comes down to enzymes, to dyes and fragrances. And one thing that I didn't know was that products that are usually, you know, penned as being green are soy-based a lot of the time. And so if you're allergic to soy or if you have a soy sensitivity, you definitely should be avoiding to using those products. And like when it comes to personal care items, you know, not only do they have dyes and fragrances to make them look and smell good and all the things that, you know, we typically would want in a personal care product, but they can also have mask and fragrances that are used to be able to conceal the odor of other ingredients. You know, they might have formaldehyde and formaldehyde releasers in them, and those can cause allergic reactions as well as, you know, other health hazards. And so when you are buying a new product, or even if you're buying a product that you've used before, make sure you're testing it before you full on use it because formulas change. We all know that whether it's for skincare products, whether it's for food, formulas change all the time and they don't have to let us know that they change the formulas. So you're going to want to, whether that's dabbing a little on your, you know, inner wrist or on your elbow and then waiting to just make sure that that's not going to cause a rash or some other sort of allergic reaction symptom to you and your body. Now, when it comes to having food allergies, like I say in all my food allergy episodes, read, 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 read labels of all package prepared and pre-cooked foods honestly knowing how to read a product label can really save your life can save your kids life can save your family's lives it really can help so much to know like what exactly are in the products that you're putting on your body topically and in your body so 
When it comes to tips for reading product labels, you know, here are some really good tips that I feel like would be very helpful when you're trying to learn how to read labels. So first thing, ingredients list. When you pick up a food or a personal care product like deodorant or something like that, you're going to want to have the first thing that you look at is the ingredients list. And typically when it comes to ingredients list, the ingredients that are listed in order of how much is in the product relative to the other ingredients. And that's known as concentration and water is often the first item on an ingredients list. And then also you're going to want to know about active ingredients. You know, some labels list active ingredients and inactive ingredients separately, even though they differentiate them as being active and inactive. All of them, all of the ingredients, whether it's active or inactive, will likely come in contact with your body. You're going to want to make sure that you are looking at active and inactive ingredients. Another thing you're going to want to look out for when you're reading labels and product labels and food labels is chemical names. You know, most labels will use chemical names that might sound like really, really dangerous. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to put that in my body. Like, I don't know what the heck that is, or I don't want to put that on my skin. Like, what is that? But like, for example, when it comes to baking soda, a common name that's used is bicarbonate of soda or sodium bicarbonate. That's baking soda. And I'm one of those people that baking soda usually irritates my skin. So I'm aware that when it comes to reading ingredients, you might see sodium bicarbonate, you might see bicarbonate of soda, or you might actually see the words baking soda. So you're going to want to know those chemical names. So if a company chooses to use like the technical name of like something that irritates your skin, you're going to want to know that name as well. And then also something you're going to want to keep in mind when you are reading labels. And in my opinion, this is one of the biggest one and it's plant-based ingredients. You know, there are different plants that you might be allergic to, but when it comes to listing them on the ingredients list, they're listed by their Latin names. So a good example of this is for lavender. So lavender, when it's on ingredients list, it might full out call out lavender, but it might also be labeled as lavendula angustifolia, which is the Latin name of lavender. And so to break that down even a little bit more um, in terms of like the Latin name when it comes to the classification system for, you know, these types of plants and stuff like that. The first name usually refers to the genus of the plant and it will begin with a capital letter. And then the second name um, usually refers to the species. So in the event of lavender, lavendula is the genus for all lavender plants and then the most common species in angustifolia. So there's that and I know that's a lot to take in. I know for me when I was learning how to read uh, product labels, um, that was something that I did have to learn is that not only do you have to keep an eye out for chemical names and alternative names, but Latin alternative names is a big one, especially when it comes to skincare and when it comes to um, laundry detergents sometimes. You know, you might not actually see that the scent on it and the fragrance in it is lavender. You'll see the alternative Latin name for lavender. So if you have a plant allergy or sensitivity, you're going to want to become familiar with the genus name and look for it on labels. And if you're allergic to 
like let's say one species of lavender, you might be allergic to others. So you're going to want to be familiar. You don't have to have them memorized by heart like you do with like your ABCs and your one, two, threes, but you're going to want to be familiar and know, you know, how to navigate product labels in that way when it comes to Latin names, when it comes to like perfumes and lotions and shampoos and conditioners and stuff like that. And it's really important to really just know your allergens so that you can protect yourself from just a lot of discomfort and even just danger to you and your body. And if you think that, you know, you or your your child or your siblings or anything like that, that they might have an allergy to, let's say, a food or a pet or any other type of substance, it's really just best to talk with your doctor and consider seeing an allergist for testing. And that way you're able to know what allergens to look for. But I would say probably one of the biggest takeaways from this episode is that the more that you know about different terms out there like hypoallergenic and how it can be misused, the smarter that you can be when you are making purchases. And just remember, if someone tells you that a product is considered as being hypoallergenic, you're going to want to ask them why. And let me just tell you, they'll probably be shocked that you know so much about hypoallergenic and what that means. But you can be like, hey, like I listened to this cool podcast called Oh My Allergies and I was able to get a little glimpse and try to figure out like what hypoallergenic means. But hopefully you all enjoyed today's episode and found it to be very informational and honestly just really helpful. I know when I was earlier on in my allergy journey and I was trying to wrap my head around this whole idea of hypoallergenic and what it actually truly means it was something that was definitely a learning curve for me and trying to figure out okay like what do I need to do in order to be able to make smarter decisions smarter shopping decisions for me and my body so that I can keep myself safe and really just be at the forefront of my allergies and kind of knowing what to look for. So hopefully this episode can be like that for you guys. I honestly really enjoy doing episodes like this because not only can I share what I already know from a personal experience with my allergies and through my allergy journey, but also being able to learn with you guys and being able to do a deep dive on research and be able to provide additional resources for you all to be able to kind of have takeaways from this episode and episodes like these as well. So hopefully you all enjoy these episodes as much as I enjoy making them and really are just able to really just find out more information about the allergy world and how to be able to navigate the allergy world um, in a way that is concise and in a way that's just not hard to understand. You know, in the world of allergies, there's just so much information and so much to learn and so much to know. And there's so many big words and terms that are used in the allergy world. So hopefully this podcast serves as a great resource that can help make that type of information more digestible for you guys. But if you are not subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast, honestly, 
what are you waiting for? Definitely hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts because it really honestly helps us to be able to expand our reach and to grow and grow and grow this little community that we have on the internet. So definitely shout out to all the people who are rating and writing written reviews for the podcast because we definitely appreciate you all's support. Make sure that you are following us on Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies. We do different polls on there. We do different, you know, words of affirmation, positive words of affirmation, just really good feel good things and content on there so that you don't feel like you're alone with your allergies and that we are a really great resource for you guys and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye allergy friends. Bye guys.